Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, it's Jennifer Rogers, Mark Lowe, and thank you for joining us on the Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. We are joined today by Julie Zaruba Fountain. Well, thanks so much for joining us and, and tell us about yourself and why you do what you do. Great. Hi, Jennifer, and hello to the Platinum Talks Wealth audience. I'm very happy to be here. I'm the founder of Empower Possible, and I've worked over a decade in the area of well-being, including financial well-being. So in the past, I've done programs and events for college students and for healthcare workers and uh, general public about financial well-being. And so I have a lot of experience having some of those really difficult conversations that, as you can imagine, pop up when you're dealing with uh, college students, especially in college debt and those in the medical field and the debt that they have from their college experiences and medical school. So um, lots of experience thinking through financial well-being for myself and through organizations at large. How did you get on this? I mean, obviously very needed. I think financial education is something that we didn't have as kids. So to get it out there to the younger generations and the generations rolling out now, I think is important and impactful. How did you get on this path? Starting out, I was very interested after college uh, in well-being in general. And then as I started to learn about well-being, I learned that there's lots of different dimensions of well-being. So you got physical well-being, mental well-being, spiritual well-being, financial well-being is one of those areas, and occupational, um, mental, and intellectual. So once I found out there was all of these different areas, when I was hired as a wellness coordinator, you'll have the opportunity to address all of those different areas. And in learning about the impact that your financial well-being has on your life, which makes sense, um, that it really impacts every every area of your life. It really drove me to learn more about managing my own finances and learning about how to help others have those difficult conversations, with, even if it is just with yourself. Sometimes we don't want to think about our debt. We don't want to think about the bills. We don't want to think about being on a budget. But how can you still think about those things, but not let it control your life. So when I talked about financial freedom and finding that financial freedom, it's really important in opening up your world when you have that. Yeah. I mean, you brought up a really, I think, solid point of having that conversation with yourself. I feel like, Mm -hmm. right. You can see maybe from big picture, what other folks are doing, but when it goes to your household and your personal bubble, that's, that's a whole different ballgame. You shared with me kind of learning and then your personal experiences. How, how did that happen in your also in your own personal world? Sure. Uh, so growing up, I was in a solidly middle class family, but we did not have conversations about money besides the occasional comment about how expensive things were. So 
I have three sisters. We were a family of six. Um, my mom worked outside the home and my dad was a stay-at-home dad. So single family income. And part of that, my interest in finances and having those conversations, because I didn't have those conversations growing up. And my parents, I learned from them, from the examples that they provided, but not necessarily because of any conversations that they had. So I could tell by how they spent money, what they valued. I could tell that they were really invested in savings because they set up savings accounts for us. Um, and I could tell that it was really important for them to give back to the community because they donated to various organizations. But for me, I knew I had to think about, well, that's what my parents did, but how do I, how do I choose to live out my finances? What decisions do me and my husband make when we're making purchases? How do I determine what I value? And what does that look like? So how do I set up savings accounts? How do I determine what type of house to buy or how much to invest in the house. Um, so those are things that growing up, I didn't necessarily have at my fingertips and had to learn. And I want to make that process a little bit easier for others, knowing that it is such an important part of well-being. Yeah, there's a lo lot of moving parts there from, from everything that you just shared. When it comes mm -hmm. to kind of a, a backtrack you ever so slightly, which is a great segue into money memories, right? So was there a pivotal money memory in your mindset of like, wow, that made me who I am today in the relationship that I have with money? I think um, there is a specific story that I think represents how my parents' philosophy towards money was. So I grew up in a small town, Monticello, Minnesota. It's about a half hour, 40 minutes from the Twin Cities. So you might be familiar with Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, most folks have heard of, of Minneapolis, at least. Um, and so being so close to the Twin Cities, we would go down to the Twin Cities for going visit the Science Museum, going to the orchestra, going to Timberwolves games, Twins games, things like that. But when we went, it was always associated with events with my mom's work. So looking back now, I see, okay, so they would get discounted tickets for our family of six. And that's what allowed us to do a lot of those things, even though we were a middle-class family, there were still six of us. So, you know, $20 ticket, $25 ticket, $40 ticket times six, that's quite a bit. Um, so taking advantage of those deals really showed me the value of the dollar. And then also going down to the science museum, um, it's a good example of the thriftiness that they were. We would go down the science museum. We wouldn't park in the science museum parking lot because it was probably 20 bucks for parking. So we would park somewhere else, walk to the science museum. And then my parents would pack lunches for us, which when I was little, I thought it was the coolest thing because we would have picnic lunches out, you know, in the Arboretum or um, the science museum has this big lizard out in front and called Iggy and it's kind of infamous in the area and you'd have lunch with Iggy and I thought it was really neat but now looking back I'm sure it was because the cafeteria is 15 to 20 dollars per meal again times that by six times the cost of the science museum times the cost of getting into the exhibits within the science museum that could easily be several hundred dollars for one afternoon so thinking about that approach and they did that in lots of different ways. When we went on vacation, they were able to find ways to save money so that we were all able to go be together, 
enjoy different places, but in a way that fit their budget. So that's something that I always have taken with me is how can I have experiences, but that are to scale for me. (laughs) So going out on vacation, I want to travel. Well, what does travel look like for me? Does it need to be the highest end experiences all of the time? Do I need to go out all the time or can I pack a lunch? Um, Things like that are always things that I think about in order to have the life that I want to live, but maybe it's not, doesn't look exactly like everybody else's. It's on the terms that I make for myself and my own financial goals. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. So ironically, my husband and I, we tease like I'm $5 shirt girl, right? So I want a $200 shirt for $5 of the coupon. That's just, that's absolutely. What that's yep. what I am. My husband, yep. we tease is five star. He is not that person. He's not mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're talking about like traveling. He's like, yeah, let's go camping. And in my brain, initially, the camping conversation is like, we're roughing it. Yeah. Like we're going to pack food. Sure. And he's like, yep. no, no. So his is much different than mine. Do you yeah. find that with your partner too, that you're on the same page there? Or do you have differences yeah. when it comes to that? When it comes to packing the lunch or, or traveling like yeah. you want? Like, I, I, again, right. I resonate with this conversation so much. Yes. Yes. Um. There would be glamping if I were going to coaching. I have to say that. Um, we both like spending on experiences versus material goods. Uh, we both have similar philosophies when it comes to what's worth putting our money into versus not. Um, and then our biggest thing is our, we always tell pay ourselves, yourself. pay yourself first. So both of us, we have auto deposits for um, all of our savings accounts and auto bill pay. So once that's set up for both of us and our and our bills, then the rest of it is money that we can use to do whatever we want with. And then we also have a certain limit. So um, there's a certain amount that we can just spend without checking in on each other. So we don't check in with each other on every purchase that we make, but if it's over a certain amount, then we'll say, you know, I'm thinking about getting this. What do you think? Um, and then we'll have that conversation. So we have very similar philosophies towards money and very similar goals, financial goals for each other. So that really helps in our financial well-being in between and for our relationship in general. Yeah. Yeah. We have some overlaps there too, right? Goals are the same, just how we get to yeah. our goals may be a little different. True. Um, yeah. Same with when it comes to accounts, right? I have my accounts. He's got his accounts. We've got a joint account in the middle too. Granted, yeah. I, mean, I think we communicate well, and I think that's always kind of the magical factor in this, right? Absolutely. No matter who you are, who your partner is, that you have that solid line of communication. What's that spending limit? Can you go out and yeah. buy a car without having a conversation with the other person? Maybe you can, maybe you right. can't. That depends on your relationship and what that looks like, too. Um, I, yeah. I You did say something like having, you know, your money to kind of do what you want with. If you're buying somebody a gift or whatever that looks like or an experience... That's yeah. big for us too, right? Because I feel like we are very yeah. blessed. We have whatever we need. If we needed something, we can buy it for ourselves, quite frankly, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So for us, it's like really creating those fun experiences that create those additional memories. That's that's where our lean is too. Yeah, absolutely. The older that I get, I'm now at that age where I keep saying this, the older that I get, I have learned that it is about the experiences and it is about time. So I'm in a similar spot where now time for me has the highest value. How I spend my time is incredibly important. And yes, financial security has allowed me to get to that point. And that's why I'm so 
excited to be on this podcast and share your listeners. It is possible with small steps to get to that point where you can have that financial freedom and where you can have that ability to get back then some of your time because you're not working towards paying off all those bills all the time and running the rat race. And I think we have the gamut of listeners, right? There's the folks that, you know, are hearing other people's stories because they're fascinating because everyone has their own unique story. And there's the folks that are hopefully, you know, learning from some of the stories that are shared when it comes to money memories and money, you know, infidelities that they can learn Mm -hmm. from and hopefully pull their bootstraps up and move forward too. So the goal is to hopefully have some inspiration in this, depending on where you're at in your personal money, you know, path and journey. Um, So that segues beautifully into infidelities. So we hear them. Um, We may have experienced them ourselves. They may have been a family member. It may have been somewhere within our circle of influence that there's been a story Mm -hmm. that you're like, oh, wow, gosh, right? What would be Mm -hmm. something that you could share, either that you experienced or have experienced from others um, that folks could learn from, from money infidelities? Yeah, uh, that's a great learning point. So I'm going to share not from my own story, but from the stories that were so common when I worked with college students around having these conversations around financial well-being. And what I found is with a lot of college students, what happens, and I myself would get these, but I would just rip them up, is you get these pre-approved credit card letters. So you're pre-approved for the credit card, you know, sign Sign on the dotted line, get the credit card, get it set up, and you're good to go. And you think, okay, well, now I can I can buy what I need on this credit card. And um, you don't realize as you're spending that eventually you need to pay for the things that you buy on that credit card. So the pre-approval letters, those credit cards, they are very tempting. A lot of conversations that I had where students were signing up for these. But in the end, if you can't pay for it, then you end up in debt. And then you end up actually paying for more because there's interest rates. And then you get into this cycle where you just can't get out of. So my biggest advice and the infidelities around that is rip up, rip up those pre-approved letters. Don't let yourself get tempted by that situation because it really will impact you for the rest of your life. You could be carrying that debt for a very long time. And then don't use those credit cards to buy the essentials. If you have cash on hand from that paycheck that you just got, use that. You don't need to use the credit card to do that. So I would say, think about how much you're spending. Think about what you'll be able to pay off on that month. Because if you're charged interest, you're going to be paying more for than what you would have if you just would have paid cash. So think about Think about those purchases and how you're making them. And um, the goal of the credit cards company is they don't have your best interest in mind. They have their best interest in mind. So make sure that you're really careful when you're selecting what banks and what companies to work with. Yeah, they are not a nonprofit. Let's just verify. That. Right. They are absolutely, a and they make lots of money, right, by having you charge yeah. things. And if you're not disciplined enough to pay it off every month, whatever you charge, yeah, like, that's where you get hammered. And seeing some of the interest rates, I mean. Gosh, I mean, they're like 18. I've seen 25. Yeah. I've seen 27. Max yep. seems so high. Back yep. in my day. Back in my day. Right. You're back similar. similar day. Right, right. Now we so, can say that back in the day. <laughs> that's right. Like I remember on college campus, like I went to Chico State on our college campus. They were like, hey, yes, you need this t-shirt and you need this bag of M&Ms and you need this like 
pizza coupon. And I was like, yes, I do. I need right. all the things, right? And it's easy to do when you're in college. Not to say anything, yeah. you know, disparaging about college kids by any means, but when I was mm. in college, it was an easy thing to do because you're like, heck yeah, I need to eat. I need to do this. I need right. a book. I need whatever, right? And yep. you just don't comprehend like how you can go down that bunny hole so fast. Right. And if you're not paying off monthly, which really no one was hand-holding us back in the day saying, hey, whenever you charge, it's a pair of socks, pay that off every single month. Right. Otherwise, yeah. you're spending like that pair of socks that was hypothetically $2 is now $20 because of the interest yep. that you paid on that. Yep, absolutely. Yep, that's a absolutely the dangerous hole that you can go down and yeah yep you go down the rabbit hole you get stuck in this loop some some students even would forget that they even or maybe they blocked it out but that they even had these credit cards because they've signed up for so many store from stores from the people that are tabling and the student union from all of those things and and I think that can happen to a adult like adults outside of college too is you sign up for the streaming services you sign up for an online magazine you sign up for an online paper and then suddenly you know you're spending hundreds of dollars on these services that you don't even recall that you have so that's why it's important to think about each time you sign up for something want need how important is it and keep track keep track of all those that you're spending each month yeah, I, I, that's something I share with clients, too, because I feel like when you're coming to retirement, right, what's your budget? What's it look like? Yeah. And then what are your expenses? Because I feel like mm -hmm. when you're working and you're in your good earning years, maybe or maybe not, maybe you're paying attention to those like Netflix charges or whatever right. they are. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. And if that's your thing, yeah. that's your thing. But know Absolutely. that you're spending that on that thing. And many times in retirement, they're like, oh, yeah, my budget is this. And they're like, oh, yeah, just kidding. It's not this. It's this and this and this because you start digging back in. So I think it's a good call to have a good handle of what you're truly spending each month, regardless of what you know portion of life you're in. Um, and you brought up another point, too, about with credit cards. I remember um, back in my day, right, like people would move a bunch, right? You would move a bunch because you didn't live in the same place in college or when you're early on in your career or e even right. folks nowadays that are, you know, vagabonds are moving wherever, like that should follow you. And sometimes it doesn't. So you mm -hmm. have to take that responsibility yourself saying, hey, what do I have? What's floating around? What's still out there? I didn't get a bill, but I still have a bill. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good point. So as we start to wrap up the conversation, one thing I like to ask too is what are some ways that you utilize money in your household. And you had shared with me a, a, a nice, beautiful laundry list of, of steps that you like to utilize and also to share. Yeah, absolutely. I created a download of tips that it's ways to get better with your money. And really the thought behind this is that it seems, it can seem really overwhelming financial well-being. We talked about my money memories earlier. Some of my money memories have led to a little bit of a scarcity mindset. So I am definitely a saver because of those experiences and seeing it play out and how important it was in the value of the dollar. So the tips are things you can follow that I follow in my own life that have helped me. And they're just out there so you can make them work for you and whatever it looks like. And today we already talked about checking your budget. So thinking about things that you need versus things that you want and clarifying what that means to you. And then looking through your budget to see how much am I spending on the things that I need and how much am I spending on the things that I want. And you might be surprised what you find hiding out in your statements of, oh, I thought I canceled that subscription or, oh, I'm spending that much 
on going out to eat. I didn't know it was that much. So there's light bulb moments that happen. I know that happened for me, um, especially with food costs recently, because those have exploded and suddenly going out to eat is a lot more expensive than what it was just a few years ago. Um, by that same token, if I totally deprive myself of buying anything, I know in the long run, I'm going to end up splurging because that's just how I am. So a moderate approach for me to saving is a lot better than completely cutting out any anything that I don't need. So I live by the save some, spend some. I have an auto deposit set up for my checking that goes um, into bill pay and then into savings so that I know that the money that's left over is money that I can spend on whatever I want because I've already paid myself first. And that's really tied to setting my financial goals, which is the, the next tip is setting some financial goals for yourself. When you have a goal to work towards, it's a lot easier to think about your purchases because you know you have this goal in mind. Maybe you want to pay off your student loans. Maybe you want to go on a vacation. Maybe you're saving for a house. Maybe you're saving for a car, whatever that is for you. Set that up in, in stages and financial goals. And then you feel really good when you can pat yourself on the back as you make progress. And then those purchases that you aren't making, you know that there's a reward coming for that. And it's a lot easier to stick on the path of financial well-being. And then jump in really fast oh, with you. Yeah, on that absolutely. Like, and again, this is going to date me. So back in the day, I feel like it's been the theme yep. of this conversation. Um, do you remember like the Christmas club? I'm not sure if anybody in your family or grandparents had that. Like my grandparents had envelopes where they would say, we're going to spend this much for birthdays or for Christmas or whatever. Sure. Uh, that friends, was yes. the multiple savings account concept, right? Or yeah. doing the, the Yep, absolutely. Way. It was like physically yeah. doing it that way. So you knew what was earmarked. You had it. So it wasn't yep. a mad dash scramble or charging anything because you had been saving the whole year through. Right. Yes. That that's exact I think now there's an app for that, but <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. This was a long time ago for that. Right? But it's honestly, I had even even with the, the smartphones, um, and having savings apps, I still had a roommate in college that would do the envelope system for themselves. So even though we have the technology, sometimes the envelope system, like the technology didn't work for them because they would still spend uh, because it was so easy to spend, even though they had the technology. But so what they needed to do is to go back, do an envelope system, say, this is my cash for the month. And when it was gone, it was gone. And so it's definitely a tangible in your face physical way mm -hmm. that you're seeing right in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean you would you would like I said I'm a saver so I it's painful sometimes for me to spend money on things even when I need to. But for them, they were a spender and seeing that money dwindle down was a was a reminder for them and and really helpful for them, which I think is great. You got to find out what works for you. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which kind of goes to the, the my last my last point and my last rule that has really this one is probably the biggest one for me and what helps me when I'm out and about, especially if I'm shopping with friends, because you get sort of that peer pressure to buy when you're with other people. And um, I live by fear of missing out. Right. FOMO. Yes. FOMO happens. And FOMO's real. there might be that that underlying pressure to buy. Um, it's it's called the one in one out rule. And every single time I'm out shopping, I, and there's an item that I want, and this doesn't 
count for the essentials like groceries and toothpaste, but the other things, the nice to have things. Uh, when I think about, and I'm in the store and I'm looking at items, I think about what a similar item is that I have at home. And if I can't think of an item that I want to replace in my home that I want to get rid of, then I don't make the purchase. So if I bring something in, something else has to leave. And so sometimes I do make the purchase because I can think of an item, yep, that is getting older. I don't want that anymore. Or I have a friend that could use it. Um, then I'll make the purchase. But more often than not, I don't want to get rid of what I already have because I like what I have. And so I don't end up making the purchase. That's a good one. That's hard, I would imagine, though, to be that discipline there, right? Because if you're and like, I, right. cute and I want it, but I have one similar, that's a tough yeah. one. It, it, and I think it works for my type of personality, but you're absolutely right. It doesn't work for, for everybody. That's why the auto pay can work really well. The auto savings can work really well because you don't even see the money then and you don't miss it. Yeah, it's that out of sight, out of mind. And back to the, mm -hmm. you know, the point of what works for one person doesn't work for everybody. So you've got to find what works for you and how you can yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the key to any well-being strategy. And that's really why I love what I do as a well-being specialist is because it is guiding folks. It is discovering what works for you. And it's about different strategies. It's not necessarily about a specific thing that I do that you need to do. It's about finding out the strategy that works for you. Yeah, I that actually is very similar to like the feel of this podcast. Everybody's story is different. Everybody comes from a different place. Everybody's infidelity is different. And if we can learn mm -hmm. from them and move forward, I think that's, you know, that's the kumbaya moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's power in numbers in more than one way. <laughs> in lots of numbers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> not yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for making time to chat with us today. I totally appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And hopefully you'll join us on our next Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management.